welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. If you ask most people how they're doing, they'll say, I've been busy. If I was to ask you, have you been, would your answer be busy? Many people's answer would be, well, I'm busy. And there's nothing wrong with busyness. But busyness must not replace effectiveness. And I think some of us just get far too busy and we're not being very effective at all. And so I want to spend some time this morning just sharing a thought that God placed upon my heart while I was away, just seeking his face, not last week, the week before that. I felt like I wanted to share it last Sunday morning, to be honest, but I thought, you know, we're going to finish our series, of which we concluded last week, did 13 parts, 13 weeks of our series, Saints Among Sinners, which was a study of the book of Ephesians. And all of those messages are available to download on our website, free of charge, just for you, and also anyone who would care to listen. So if you have family or friends that do not go to this church, if you have family or friends that are not followers of Christ, then please, 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 just give out all of our merchandise free of charge. You can go onto iTunes and you can subscribe there and download all the messages absolutely free. So please feel free to do that. For today, however, um, I want to share a message that came out of a time of reading and seeking God's face I've already mentioned. And uh, while I was away, I was reading different portions of the scripture. And one of them in particular was in 2 Samuel. And I was reading about King David. And I'm just trying to find my notes. Um, where are we? What's it called? What's my message called? I've got all these messages coming up. There we go. There we go. Beautiful. Excellent. No problems. Back to square one. And I was reading in particular from the second book of Samuel, and chapters 18 and 19 really captivated me. And they are about the story of King David and his son Absalom. Now, Absalom was one of those drop-dead gorgeous guys. You know, he, had, he was incredibly handsome. He had amazing hair. And uh, David really loved this son, Absalom. And it was while I was reading this portion of Scripture that I felt God speak to me. Now, what you need to know about that is I have never heard the audible voice of God. So when I say God spoke to me, it's not like I heard Tony this is God. And I want you to speak to the people on this, this, and this. That is not how it's ever been for me. So I don't want you to think too highly of me this morning based upon me using words like I heard God say. Basically, when I talk about God speaking to me, it's more of an impression that's laid upon my heart or an overwhelming thought that comes through reading a portion of Scripture. Have you ever, um, as a parent had that thought come to mind, why is it so quiet? I wonder if my kids are okay. More importantly, what on earth are they up to? It's one of those impressions and you just feel to act upon that. I, I think a lot of that is God getting our attention. 
And trouble is when we're too busy, we ignore that God getting our attention. I actually think God speaks to everyone in this room more than we give credit for. I think God speaks to people who would not even call themselves Christians. He, he loves us that much. He's trying to get our attention that much. I'm sure there are people who are far from God, who don't even believe in God, who can say, yeah, and I've had that impression in my heart. I call it a, a, a gut intuition. But I think a lot of that is God trying to get our attention. And uh, so I, I had a few of those moments while I was away. And uh, I felt a word drop into my heart that I need to share this morning. And I felt God say this, to tell the church they need to lose your lament. Lose your lament. And so I, I wanted to put together a, a message around this thought about us losing our lament. Because I think there are many, many people in life that never go on to do great things. They never go on to do the things that they dreamed, hoped or even imagined because there's something holding them back. And when I was reading this portion of Scripture, I felt like that something is, is a, it's an overwhelming lament. And I want to read from the Scriptures this morning from 2 Samuel. And uh, I want to give you a bit of background to the story before I actually read. You see, basically, as I've already mentioned, David had a number of sons. One of them was called Absalom. And he was a very handsome man, had this incredible head of hair. And people just loved him. And because they loved him, he thought, you know what, he would make a great king. And so he, he decided to go behind his father's back and take the throne off his father. And this sent David into a panic and David ended up fleeing the palace and running away from Absalom. David had a few mighty men around him and they declared war on Absalom. And a battle ensued and through that battle, David's men won the battle. And in the battle, Absalom, David's son, was killed. Now David gave strict instruction. Whatever you do, do not harm my son Absalom. And so what happened? There was a runner that was sent to give the news to David that the battle had been won and his son Absalom had been killed. And this is where we pick up the story. 2 Samuel chapter 19, verse 1. It says, Joab was told, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. So he's got this news that although they've won the battle, King David is not happy. He's weeping, he's lamenting, he's grieving and he's mourning the loss of his son. And for the whole army, the victory that day was turned into mourning. Because on that day, the troops heard it said, the king is grieving for his son. The men stole into the city that day as men steal in who are ashamed when they flee from battle. The king covered his face and cried aloud, O my son Absalom, O Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab went into the house to the king and said, Today you have humiliated all your men who have just saved your life and the lives of your sons and daughters and the lives of your wives and concubines. 
You love those who hate you and you hate those that love you. You have made it clear today that the commanders and their men mean nothing to you. I see that you would be pleased if Absalom were alive today and all of us were dead. Now, verse 7, go out and encourage your men. I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a man will be left with you by nightfall. This will be worse for you than all the calamities that have come on you from your youth until now. And so the king got up and took his seat in the gateway. When the men were told the king is sitting at the gateway, they came before him. There's many things that we can draw from a passage of Scripture like this. But in keeping with what I felt God lay upon my heart, I want to highlight four things. Four things this morning that we can learn from David's life. Everything that is written in Scripture is for our learning today. And so I pray that we have ears to hear, not just my words, but the message behind my words. And so Father, today I pray that through the help of the Holy Spirit, you would help me communicate a message that opens our eyes, unblocks our ears, and softens our heart, that we may move from where we are to where you would desire us to be. And whatever is hindering us, whatever is stopping us, whatever lament may be in our life or in our heart, I pray, dear God, that you, by your loving nature, would reveal it, that we may be transformed more and more into your image. And with your help, I ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Okay, so what can we draw from this portion of Scripture? You know the story. David is overwhelmed with grief. He is lamenting. The word lament simply means to grieve, to suffer, to be anxious. It's a passionate expression of sorrow an expression of regret or disappointment. It even says it's a song or piece of music or a poem expressing such emotions. Taylor Swift has made a living out of such songs. All of her songs are based on a lament over a particular boyfriend that she went out with last week. She writes a song about it, gets a hit, goes out with someone else. It breaks up within a week and writes another song. And it's a lament about that guy. She's made a living out of this. And, and this is where we find David. David is in deep mourning. He's in deep grief. But the first thing I want to draw your attention to is simply this, that David's grief was disproportionate to his reality. David's grief was disproportionate to his reality. Now, I don't mean to be insensitive because for David, no doubt, this was a very, very sad occasion. I mean, to lose one of your children has got to be one of the greatest sadnesses and sorrows a parent can ever, ever experience. So I don't mean to be insensitive to that. But here's the thing. All he could think about was his son. That's all he could think about. He was consumed. Now, God is not against 
us feeling deeply about things. In actual fact, it was God who gave us the ability to think and to feel in the first place. That ability that we have to feel deeply about things was a God-given a gift in the first place. So feeling deeply about things is not a sin and it's not a problem and it's not wrong in and of itself. The problem comes when we are led by those feelings. When we can't get a handle on those feelings. And David was consumed with Absalom. And he'd been consumed with Absalom, not just upon death, but the moment that he was betrayed by his beloved son. The moment Absalom said, I want to be king, it cut David to the heart. And he became consumed with the thought of Absalom and what could have been and what should have been. And he, like Taylor Swift, wrote a song about it. Psalm 3 is a song dedicated to the lament about the situation with his son Absalom. And it was one of those songs that he just couldn't get out of his heart and ultimately couldn't get out of his head. Have you ever had a song that you just can't get out of your head? I remember back in the early 90s, there was a little song. It was a horrible song, but it was one of those songs you just could not get out of your head. Achy, breaky heart. So don't break my heart, my achy, break. It's a stupid song. I mean, what on earth was he thinking? And yet, when you heard that song, and even now, it'll be a song that goes over and over in your head. And that's where David finds himself. He's got this song going over and over in his head. It's a song that he wrote. It came out of a deep sorrow. And he said, oh, Absalom, oh, Absalom, my son, Absalom. This was his song. This is what he penned. This is what he put a tune to. And it was going over and over and over and over in his head. And when this runner came to him and said, Dad, we've had a great victory today. All he could hear is, oh, Absalom, Absalom, Absalom. My son, my son. And he never heard the good news because his grief was disproportionate to his reality. See, here's what David forgot. David was consumed with what he knew. But the trouble is he forgot certain things. David was overwhelmed with the loss of his son. That he knew clearly. But in what he knew, it took away some things that he once knew. And he'd forgotten them at that moment. And this is where the real problem is. David's problem was what, not what in what he knew, but what he forgot. See, he forgot that God was still in control. He forgot that a great victory had been won that day. He forgot that he had many loyal followers and supporters. He forgot that God had shown David so much grace. And so much mercy. And when someone is overcome in tragedy or sorrow, the problem is not what you know. The problem is what you forget. In the midst of his sorrow, he was consumed with what he knew, but he forgot certain things. He forgot greater truths. And I felt God say this, that we've got to get our eyes off Absalom. 
Now, Absalom can represent many things to you in this room today. You may, like David, have been betrayed by somebody. And that's a very big Absalom for you. But you've got to get your eyes off that thing. Absalom may represent something that happened to you in the past. And you've got to get your eyes off that thing. It could represent a hurt in your life. Be a brave person in this room and say, I've never been hurt. But you've got to get your eyes off that thing. It could represent being let down. Again, it'd be a brave person in this room to say, I've never been let down. Every one of us has been let down at different times. Here's the thing. We've got to get our eyes off it. You could have been overlooked. Maybe you were the person that was to be groomed for that position or that promotion. And then somebody else got the job and you were overlooked. You've got to get your eyes off that thing. Maybe there's a friendship that you once had and it's no more. As tragic as that is, the greater tragedy would be you keeping your eyes on that thing and not moving forward. And so while I was away, I felt God say, tell the people to get their eyes off their Absalom, whatever that may be, to surrender your Absalom. I trust today that we can get to that place where we can identify that Absalom, identify that lament in our life and get to the place where we can surrender it. The second thing about David's life is that David's grief affected him and others. See, it stopped David moving forward. David at this point in his life was stuck as that song was going over and over and over in his head again and again and again. He was stuck. And many people today like David are stuck because of something that happened, because of a betrayal or a disappointment. And as a result, they end up living their days and their weeks and their months and their years the same as they always have. And they never move forward. They get older, but they never move forward. And that's no way to live. David was stuck, but not only did it affect him, but it also affected others. David's inability to get his eyes off Absalom affected others. Your obsession over this one person, over this one thing, over this one hurt, over this one issue can affect the relationships and the people in your world that want to do life with you right here, right now. David had an incredible, massive, loyal following and he, was, he just couldn't see it. And as much as I love David, I imagine thinking, no, we're getting a little bit over this now. You know, there are some people that live in hurt and the people that were there for them during that hurt end up coming to that place and you know what? I just can't keep doing this. You're obviously not willing to move forward and the friendships get strained and the person who's hurt says, no, no, you're going to leave me too. Yes, they will. They will. Because it's near on impossible to stay with someone who wants to move forward if you want to stay where you are. And every one of you has people in your world that love you 
and are there for you and are willing to help you and willing to help you move forward. But if our eyes are on Absalom, we're going to miss the opportunities. I've been in ministry many years and that means getting involved in people's lives, families and world. And we've seen this many times where there is, there is someone in the family that may be causing grief or trouble. And it can be the all-compassing, all-consuming thing in their life. And they do everything to help this one person and yet the rest of the family suffers. I've seen marriages suffer because of a wayward child. And we need to get our eyes off those areas so that we don't lose everything in our life. I've seen people lose their marriage over certain people. I've seen them lose their mind and their health over certain people. And we've just got to see that this lament, if not dealt with, is going to affect us and it will also affect others. Also, thirdly, David's grief needed to be addressed. Which is kind of what I'm doing a little bit today. I'm addressing the issue. But David had a Joab in his life. And every one of us in this room needs a Joab. Somebody who can come to us and say not what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. If you don't have a Joab in your life, your life will never look like it could look. And here's Joab finding courage. Now, it took great courage to do what Joab did because he was talking to the king and the king could have had him put to death. You're probably not going to lose your life if you speak up. You might just lose a friend. But Joab, at the risk of his own life, spoke up. Why? Because he loved David. And we need to love people in our world enough and have people in our world enough that can love us enough to tell us not what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. In Ephesians, it talks about speaking the truth in love. And that's what I'm talking about right now. We need someone who would, like Joab, can speak the truth in love. Because we realize that this thing, no matter how bad it may be, is just not helping you. And so Joab finds courage and he speaks up. And he brings some perspective to David. He says, David, in verse 6, he says, you love those that hate you and you hate those that love you. In other words, you're backing the wrong people. Absalom, I know he was your son, but he betrayed you. He tried to kill you. He slept with your wives. He said, it wasn't good. And yet you've got people on your side that put their life on the line. You're backing the wrong people. You've got to back the right people. And I know it's difficult when it's you know, your family. And I know it's difficult when there's you know, long-term friendships involved. I get the difficult nature of that. But we need perspective nonetheless. And he brings this incredible warning. He says, if you don't do something about this, you're going to lose even more than before. He said, if you think it's bad now, know this. It's going to get a whole heap worse for you if you do not deal with this. Verse 7 says, if you don't go out, not a man will be left with you by nightfall. In other words, if you think it's bad now, it can get a lot worse. 
How many of you thought, you know, it can't get any worse than this? And you find yourself a year later thinking, oh, it got much worse. <laughs> and then you think after a year, oh, well, this, this is, I've hit rock bottom. My life cannot get any worse, only to find, oh, yes, it can. If we don't deal with these things in life, it can always get a lot worse. And then he says this, this is my advice. Now go out and encourage the men. In other words, there's no time like the present. David, we love you. You've been acting like a fool. And it's going to get a lot worse if you don't do something about it. But here's the good news. And this is what I want you to catch today. I've painted a pretty bleak picture so far. I get that. But there's no time like the present. He says, David... With all your lamenting and all your doom and gloom and all your moaning and groaning and whinging and complaining. With all this going on, with the men ready to leave right now, you can do something about it. He says now. There's no time like the present. It's right now. Not tomorrow. They'll be gone. Now. There's no time like the present. He says now go out and encourage the men. We have this theology of tomorrow. We love tomorrow. Tomorrow is awesome because it never actually comes. Have you noticed that? We love putting things off till tomorrow. But Joab says, now go out. Do something about it now. Which brings me to my fourth and final point. That David's grief gave way to faith. You've got to catch this. This is what I'm hoping and trusting and praying right now will help each and every one of us in this room. I didn't go away for the few days that I went away just to get away from my wife. I love my wife. Someone said, I oh, did you have a good holiday. I want to tell you, when I'm not with my kids or my wife, it's not a holiday. And so while I was away, I want to make my time count. And the fact that I feel so strongly about this, I believe it represents and reflects something that's strongly on God's heart for us as a church. And so I need you to listen to this point here. David's grief gave way to faith. He was challenged by a friend in Joab to get up and stand before the people. Now, I don't imagine for a moment that David, oh yeah, silly me, and he just got up. I imagine that David, still in his grief, still overwhelmed with sorrow, still feeling as bad as he did before, stood up. Because this is what faith is. Faith is not based upon feelings. Faith is based upon information. You've got to catch this. I'm not asking you to have blind faith. I'm not asking you to, to just follow a God that's invisible because I said. I'm asking you to do the study, examine for yourself, and you will find that there is much information to increase our faith. And so David based upon the information, based upon the common sense, based upon what he's heard from his friend Joab, he gets up 
no doubt feeling just as bad as ever before. Probably thinking to himself, I don't want to do this, but that's the point. He did it. Don't wait till you feel like doing things. You know, just as an aside, I think about the times that I've found myself at the gym and the times I just didn't want to go. Sometimes the hardest thing about going to the gym is putting on your shoes. Just, just, to, just to get there. And I imagine David is in that place where he's like, I don't want to do this. If what Joab said, how, how humiliating. Not only am I feeling bad enough, but now I'm going to be humiliated in front of the people. What do I say? But with each question, he finds himself one step closer to standing before the people. So don't wait for your feelings to go before you move. The thing I love about this moment, you never hear David sing that song again. Somewhere from standing up and walking out to the people, he never sings that song again. You never hear David saying, Oh, Absalom, oh, Absalom. See, it's doing that makes the difference. It's not believing. It's not thinking. It's not reasoning. You can think, believe, and reason, but unless you do something with that, your life will never change. David could have sat there in his sorrow and said, yeah, that makes sense, I must do something about that. That, that didn't change his life. It was the getting up. It was the walking toward the door. It was the standing before the people that ultimately brought about the breakthrough. And here's the thing I want you to catch. It wasn't an instantaneous, incredible, joyful breakthrough moment for David. He just responded in faith to the wisdom, the clarity, and the voice of someone who was in a better place than he was. I imagine after that moment, David would have still had to walk with a bit of grief and sorrow. But with each day and each moment, it gets less and it gets less. Don't allow your feelings to dictate your future. I think about the old church temples where they used to have the big massive bells that would ring to say, come to church. Some of you grew up in that era and remember the bells ringing in church. Maybe think of St. Peter's Cathedral and the weddings that are there and you hear the ding, ding. And I think about the person who holds that rope to ring the bell. And while they're holding the rope, the bell, bell continues to ring. But what happens when they let go of the rope? The bell still rings. But over time, it gets less and less and less until there's no more ringing. And I feel that when David stood 
Before the people that day, it was his moment where he let go of the rope. Yeah, the ringing still continues for a period of time after that, but it's lessened because we're no longer holding on to the rope. If you're still holding on to the rope, the ringing will never stop. And some of you I know, you've stepped out in faith and you've let go of the rope only to hear the continual ring, to be able to pick up the rope again and keep the ring going. You've got to just let it go. And the great thing is we serve a God who loves us and knows us and cares for us intimately. And he has plans to prosper us and plans to give us a hope and a future. But here's the reality. While we hold on to these things, while we hold on to this Absalom, this betrayal, this hurt, this person, this thing, this situation, this moment where you are overlooked, while we hold on to those things, the reality is we'll never move forward. I'm not here to wave a magic wand this morning. I'm here under God to try to create a moment where faith can rise above your feelings, where we can let go of the rope this morning. And while the ringing will continue for a period of time after, your faith will get stronger. As the ringing gets less, your faith will get stronger. Your faith will go deeper. And while that thing in your past will always be there, while you're never able to eradicate it from your past, it won't have the sting. Paul talks in Corinthians about the sting of death being taken away. It doesn't mean we won't die. We're all going to pass away, but the sting of death is not there. As a follower of Christ, we don't have to worry about death because we know that death for us is a homecoming, that we get to be with Christ and see Him face to face. So although we will die, the sting is not there. And although those things in your past are still there, the sting is not there. And it's a sting that God wants to take out of your life today. And when the sting's not there, you can move forward. Many of you today have issues towards certain people, certain things, People have all sorts of issues. People don't want to get married today because of what they saw, because of their mum and dad, that thing in the past. And they have a distorted view of what marriage is. Some of you are abused by a parent, namely a father. And so you struggle with all fathers. And even talking about the father heart of God is just like a foreign concept to you. You think of father and you think of abuse. Some of you have been abused by someone in leadership. And everything I try to say or anything any of the leaders, it's almost like we're fighting your past. And everything we say is just not being heard because of how you're hearing it, because of your Absalom. And today's an opportunity to have a fresh start. And we can lose our lament if we are willing to step out in faith and trust God, and though the feelings may still be there, as we stay in faith and refuse to grab that rope again, 
we can move forward little by little, slowly but surely. I don't know how hard it was for David to get up and stand before the people. I could only imagine it was very hard. But you know what? He did it. He did it. And it was a starting place. It was a turning point of him losing his lament and the sting that that thing had over him. I mean, in the natural, when you read that story, it's like, it doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't he do the guy's betrayed you? But he was heavily invested. He was heavily involved. It became personal for David. And when that happens, it's really hard to see. And that's why you need people who are in a different place, a better place, to be able to help you through those things. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.